This is the Unmuted Podcast by Mosaic, hosted by Bella Passi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unmuted Podcast. I'm your host, Bella Passi. Unmuted is a podcast where we host conversations on pressing issues in today's society, including things like social protest, Black Lives Matter, COVID, and reconciliation. We will host interviews with a diverse group of students from the PLNU community. Unmuted focuses on topics that may be considered hard to talk about, but show that by having the conversation, we can start the change that is needed in these times. And for today's conversation, we will be discussing the rise of Asian representation in the media. With me, I have two guests, Ivy Tran and Matthew Costello. We're so excited to have them here with us today as they share their experiences. Hey guys, back again in Unmuted. We are so excited to be here again today for, I think, episode four. Um, And I'm so excited to be sitting here with my guests today. So before we get started, I'm going to have you guys, you know, introduce yourself, um, tell us your name, kind of why you're here, and we'll get into it. Awesome. I'll start. My name is Ivy Tran. I am a senior nursing major at Point Loma, and I am a part of Asian Student Union. I'm actually the president, and yeah. All right, guys. Um, I'm Matthew Costello. I am also a nursing uh, major, and I'm a junior. I am also on the ASU board as treasurer. So great to be here. (laughs) Thank you. We're so excited to have you guys here. Um, And for today's episode... I always say this. I'm always like, I'm so excited to like be here for this episode, which is true. But I need to just stop saying it because it sounds, I feel like, like genuine when I keep <laughs> saying it. But I am excited to be here for this episode. Um, and we're going to be talking about a kind, like an array of different things, but more so the rise right, of Asian representation in the media and kind of like what those effects have been in society, as well as some of the current hot topic issues that are going on as it pertains to. Um, to Asian culture right now. But to start off, um, I want to ask you guys, you know, to give a little bit of context for our listeners who might not know you that well. You know, can you kind of describe what your journey has been like in terms of navigating your identity as um, an Asian American? Um, And what was it like, you know, kind of just growing up in your household as it pertains to your culture? So I, so I'm actually first gen. My parents came here when they were really little. I think my mom was nine and my dad was 16. And um, so I would get babysat by my grandparents a lot. And that's where I would learn how to like speak the language. And I'm actually kind of not really fluent in Vietnamese, but like I try to keep it um, whenever I'm at my grandparents. And um, along with that, I went to a school where that was like very diverse. Mm -hmm. And it was like a lot of Vietnamese, um, other Vietnamese Americans as well. And also a lot of Hispanic. So um, Along with that, I would hang out with a lot of other um, Vietnamese Americans and Hispanics, and we would also like just talk about our culture a lot, and we would also celebrate it in school because it was so predominant. And I feel like that really brought the culture to me and how I like celebrate it now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I am Filipino Chinese, and I am also first gen. My parents came here right after I got married, so around like. 30, 31, um, and I went to a predominantly white school because I went through private schooling my whole life. So 
my, my parents got the idea from my aunt who suggested they come here to send me to Catholic school because they had the best education than public school, apparently, quote unquote, best, uh, <laughs> best education. Uh, so when they were thinking about um, telling me, talking to me in Tagalog, which is the Filipino language, they decided to give up on it at the very beginning because they said, because I just found this out recently, that they said that they wanted me to have a better transition to quote-unquote fit in uh, in America. So my challenge is that just that since I went to predominantly white school my whole life, I've constantly battled what I am. Mm. Like, am I too Asian? Am I not Asian? Or am I a little bit more Americanized or not so much Americanized, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's a clash of cultures. But I would say that I'm very strongly affiliated with my culture just because my whole family has all, has embedded it, like the values and everything through our gathering and our hangouts. And I also have this tendency at school to find Asians mm-hmm. and just uh, form a little group of Asians and have a little community there. But there was a, for a time, I was, like, a little bit ashamed of, like, my food or my culture because sometimes I see, like, oh, they're eating, like, a, a sandwich while I'm eating, like, a Filipino dish called dinaguan or adobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always tried to fit in with, like, food that way, but I guess I didn't really accept it until late middle school to early high school. Mm, thank you. Um, I think that's super helpful for me and also for our listeners and just just in terms of not only um, knowing kind of like the perspective in which you guys are right coming into this conversation, but I think also like knowing the, what like Asian culture you actually originate from. Cause I think something like that we even like are gonna talk about is like when you hear the word Asian and like you think for people who just like don't know as much, they assume like, oh, Asian is just Chinese and yeah. Japanese or mm-hmm. whatever, all the, you know what I mean? Um, and which is like when you think when I say that and think about it, I'm just like, what century are we in that that is right? like an assumption yeah. still? Um, but to have you guys say that to like even know, okay, you're coming from different perspectives, even with that in terms of like Asian culture and like the subcultures that ha- are, um, surround it. So thank you for that. Um, I think in order to first talk about the rise of Asian representation, we need to talk about where it started from and what um, I think, at least in America, the perception has been before this rise, um, what the perception of Asian culture has been or how people perceive Asians. So I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, confronting first Asian American stereotypes to set the ground to how this rise came about and stuff like that. So, while the current stereotype of Asian Americans is that they are smart, competent, and hardworking, a century ago, Asian Americans were perceived as illiterate and as marginal members of the human race. They were denied the right to become naturalized U.S. citizens and segregated to ethnic enclaves. But the change in U.S. immigration law in 1965, which gave preference to highly educated and highly skilled applicants, ushered in a new wave of Asian immigrants. Not only are are they more likely to have graduated than those who did not immigrate from their countries of origin, but they are more likely to have graduated from college than the the U.S. um, means, which means what we refer refer to as hyper-selectivity. 
Uh, for example, Chinese immigrants in the United States are 12 times as likely to have graduated from college than Chinese who do not immigrate. They are also almost twice as likely to have a college degree than the average American. The hyper-selectivity has resulted in the stereotype that Chinese Americans and Asian Americans more broadly are smart, competent, and hardworking, but they are also vilified, vilified for being too smart, too focused on academics, one-dimensional, and lacking personal skills. So that's just a broad context of kind of um, Asian Americans, I guess, like the history of it, more so like how this historical context has like shaped, I think, what the perception has been uh, of like what people view as like Asians and things like that, you know, in terms of like jokes, all of those things. For you guys, I just want to first ask, like, have you, could you relate to any of those things? Are there other stereotypes that like, you know, you think of? Um, and more so, I guess, like, what are your thoughts or personal experiences when it comes to people's perceptions of Asians, whether that be stereotypes, prejudice? Um, and do you think you could, like, give a couple examples of that? Yeah. Um, I feel like those, like, touch, like, the main ones. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was also just thinking of, like, the model minority. I feel like mm -hmm. that kind of just describes what it is, just thinking that, like, we are a minority, but, like, we're the ones who, like, the minorities, like, they think the minorities should look up to because we're always the ones that's, like, academically, um, what's the word, like, good with like excelling academics, excelling, yeah. right. and yeah. um, we're just viewed as the ones who are always the ones getting degrees or, like, doing just better mm -hmm. than the others. I think they, like, kind of, like, paint us as, like, the perfect, mm. like, person, like, even though... We're not really. I think that just adds a whole lot of whole lot of pressure on Asian Americans in general. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you touched on the on the main uh, points very well. But other ones that like I faced in my my journey is like we are like weak. We don't stand up for ourselves. And I think it's, I think that is coming from a cultural standpoint because yeah. I know through. Uh, my parents, like, if something bad ever happened, they would never go to the cops, right? They would, they would just, like, walk away or try not to escalate things because they don't want to be in trouble or, like, or, like, have, like, that much spotlight on them. So, like, to other people, I think that that just shows, that just, they think that we are weak because we decide to walk away, right? Mm -hmm. Or not stand up for ourselves when they're, like, inching for, like, an argument or a fight. Whereas to me, like, now I'm thinking like, you know, that is a strength because you're fighting all your emotions and you decide to take the path of least resistance and violence, whereas these other people are trying to insinuate these things and and try to bring out something from us. So I think that was that one's like a big one I've come across because there are times where people like would say something to me and I would just brush it off or just walk away. Whereas they're, they seem like they're trying to get, like, a reaction mm. out of me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think it's also interesting, especially when you guys are talking about model minority and, like, a difference, um, I guess, in terms of, like, the expectations put on you as still being a minority, but having, but, like, having different expectations um, than maybe other minorities. Um and I think it's interesting because I think sometimes it can then mean like that you don't feel like you have as much of a right to complain, not complain, but like point out when 
things are also still not okay to say, you know what I mean? Or like complain about the injustices that happen being Asian and mm-hmm. stuff like that because there's this other like identity placed upon you, if that makes sense. Um, and while you can't compare experiences and things like that, um, it's hard to, it's hard, I think, for people to remember like you're still a minority and with that in terms of appearance, um, in terms of the cultural significance and the historical significance of having, you know, migrating to a different country, um, that still creates a ton of different um, obstacles that people who are from here and who look a different way can't relate to and stuff. Um, But I think it's just interesting in how sometimes then we feel a lack of a pressure or more pressure to not be able to talk about it the same way as other people and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to, as we, we, we first created this podcast a bit ago, um, and then we kind of wanted to change, um, part of the topic as stuff came up in the news and we wanted to talk about the Asian hate crimes that have been going on. Um, cause I feel like that's something that's really important to address in this conversation. Um, so before I ask you guys, you know, just your thoughts and opinions with everything. Um, I wanted to provide context for anybody who's might not be aware of it. But um, an analysis of police department statistics has revealed that the United States experienced a significant hike in anti-Asian hate crimes last year across major cities. The analysis released by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino, examined hate crimes in 16 of America's largest cities. It's revealed that while such crimes in 2020 decreased overall by 7%, those targeting Asian people rose by nearly 150%. The analysis revealed a surge in cities such as New York, where anti-Asian hate crimes rose from 3 in 2019 to 28 in 2020 a 833% increase. Los Angeles and Boston also experienced notable rises from 7 to 15 and 6 to 14, respectively. Um, Meanwhile, Washington, D.C. experienced a decline from 6 to 3 anti-Asian hate crimes. Chicago remained unchanged with two crimes each year. The first spike in anti-Asian hate crimes occurred in March and April last year, 2020. However, it occurred alongside a rise in COVID-19 cases and ongoing negative associations of Asian Americans with the virus. According to the analysis, it's likely that overall hate crimes declined due to the pandemic and a subsequent lack of interaction in public areas and other gathering places, including public transit, commercial businesses, schools, and houses of worship. So... I think sometimes when I like when I see this and read this and it is something that I'm like, I can't believe this is something that's happening in our day and age. Um, and obviously there's a lot of other things going on in terms of in terms of like racial unrest and tension, I think, in this country. Um, but for me, I was like, it's it's still just crazy to think that like the associations associations we make with how somebody looks and then correlating it to like something that's so far off, like COVID nineteen, and then equating that to that being like okay to like hurt people, is just like I, maybe it's because like I don't know I'm naive or whatever, but I'm still sometimes like I can't believe we're still like this is a thing that we have to deal with and address and talk about, but we need to. Um, so I wanted to talk about it with you guys and kind of hear like as this was happening and still now like what kind of have been your thoughts on this and you know, um, 
your thoughts and feelings just overall and how it's happening all over the world. What's that been like for you guys? Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, I guess I'll go first. Well, to me, like, I didn't notice as much in the beginning of last year of how much hate crimes towards Asian Americans were really increasing. I knew that they were happening, but just not at the rate of how fast it was happening because I think uh, they, they're overgeneralizing just because they say that coronavirus came from Wuhan, China. They think every single Chinese person is at fault for creating this the way we're living right now and, the, and nobody likes the way we're living right now because we're all super safe and, or trying to be safe and like very isolated in a way. But I think that, uh, that the ignorance of that that's a whole completely like different like topic and people versus the people who are here in America because it was kind of a shock to me because it's like what does the people the actual people in China have to do with the Chinese people or Asian American people in the U.S. like that is no way like correlated to them aiding in the creation of coronavirus right so in my head I just thought that it might have been just a way for people to want to blow off some steam or or just want to hate something right which is totally sad and unacceptable but i but that's what i was thinking about and the biggest impact that that totally made me like super invested in like the super asian crimes or hate crimes and everything like that was at the beginning of this year in january when a thai man was killed in in san francisco just for going on a daily walk you know and ever since then, they kept escalating to other parts of the country, like New York, even here in San Diego, you know. And so I think that hearing it through social media, because that's where I've been getting most of my information, uh, just kind of shows that the mainstream media isn't taking it seriously. Because if it took so long, like, like they were happening behind the background 2020 without it ever showing up. But then all of a sudden, since there's so much death and and uh, hate crimes happening, uh, social media and Asian organizations are bringing them to light, you know? And it's just kind of sad that it's happening so often, you know? Like, sometimes you hear about it every once in a while, you know? But this is happening so often. It's always associated with Asian elders and, and Asian businesses. And that personally makes me super scared because most of my uncles and aunties and or titos and titas are we're going to that age like 60 70 even my parents you know and just hear and just hearing and seeing these videos of the elderly like getting knocked down even getting killed like puts like that fear in my mind of oh this could happen to my titos and titas or my parents and and it's just like a fear that I have for them and I always like call them just to check up like hey um are you, like, be careful when you go to the supermarket or something like that. So it's kind of, like, crazy how, we, like, it's changed, like, right. our way of life, just, like, always thinking about them. But in recent events, you know, it's not just happening to the elderly anymore. It's even happening to, like, people who are only 30. Like, last night, I'm sure, yeah. like, you heard, like... In Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta shoot, uh, shooting killed, like... Eight Asian women in, in, um, as, at the workplace, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, 
that's that's just like for me like it's pretty scary out there yeah I think it's also like you said I think it's alarming and so sad that we had to like see it in such a large number for it to even like be reported and be relevant you know um in the news and stuff and it's continuously happening so um what were you gonna say Ivy sorry oh I feel the same way I think um like it's been a year since Mm -hmm. like COVID-19 hit and with the statistic you said um I think it went up like maybe 120 percent more and it's so interesting and crazy for it to just appear now when COVID-19 has been here for over a year and um yeah same with like the shooting last night I think my mom told me about it and it's kind of scary because she also like works at like a hair salon right so it's just like crazy to think yeah yeah no I think it's scary to especially when you don't have any control right Mm -hmm. in the situation um, for yourself or for family members, I think it's scary to think um, that it can happen to anyone and stuff like that. Um, and it's some, I think something that like hopefully as we continue, we can bring more awareness to. Um, and the educational aspect of like do research about COVID-19 exactly, and its yeah. origins and like all of that, um, like learn about how everything began, what's going on currently, and that stuff, um, if you have questions about any of that. Um, thank you guys for that. I just wanted to, that's not, you know, necessarily the main topic of what we're gonna, or what we're talking about, but I felt like that was something we needed to address and bring light to in this conversation. Um, I want to move on to what we were originally going to talk about, which was the rise of representation in Asian media. Um, and so, First, to, you know, as always, provide a bit of context before we dive into it. Um, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So the number of Asian Americans in the U.S. continues to grow and media use increases. Misrepresentations of this group remain common in U.S. films. Notable progress has been made, however, in the past few years with success with the successes of Crazy Rich Asians, ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat and Netflix's Patriot Act with Hassan. Is it? I mean, Minhaji, Min, uh, I apologize to everyone. I do this. I once an episode, I butcher something. <laughs> it's all always. Good. Sometimes it's names. Sometimes it's words that I should know, but I don't. Um, Hollywood is portraying the Asian American community in a more authentic light than before. But while progress is exciting, there's still more to do when it comes to true representation on screen and behind the scenes. Examining representation of Asian Americans in the media is important because media can positively and negatively impact identity development, which is a fundamental cognitive, social, and developmental task related to understanding one's place in the social world. Misrepresentations can also shape intergroup interactions by influencing how outgroup members view and interact with Asian Americans. So I think there's so much to unpack in this. Um, especially like we talk, like how it talks about is I really want to get down to this idea of identity development and how um, the representation or misrepresentation will definitely impact perceptions of not only how you perceive others, but also how you perceive yourself in that equation as well. Um, But I kind of wanted to first ask you guys, you know, why do you think Asian representation has become more popular in the media. And we can, you know, if you want to give examples of that to for people who are unaware. Um, but I just want to kind of hear your opinion on it. 
Yeah. Um, I was thinking like with this generation, we're so open to like standing up for ourselves. Mm. So I feel like that plays a part in um, wanting to share the story for Asian Americans. And I don't know, I feel like the people who like bring these like stories to Hollywood to like make these movies are really like just standing up for Asian Americans and telling our story and just getting just like educating the community mm. and also just um, I don't know there's just like a ton of stories to go around and like Crazy Rich Asians was like such a big thing I think it came out last year 2019 or 2018 yeah, but I remember when that came out and I was like so excited because it's a all like American cast um, the behind the scenes people were all like Asian Americans as well or I don't know if they're Asian Americans but they were Asian as well and um, yeah it was just like such a big thing in Hollywood because I think the last um, Asian movie or like Asian casted movie was I think I don't even know what the movie was. I think it was Joy Luck Club. Mm. But, like, it was in the 90s or, like, maybe even before that. So it was just, like, a huge thing to, like, it's so cool where, I don't know, just your culture, seeing, like, people like you on screen, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty cool that more and more, like, Asians or Asian Americans um, or any Asian around the world is getting more represent representation in film and media because I think in most films that I've seen Asians are stereotyped as oh the martial artist guy mm. or yeah. they're the or nerd. someone who's quiet yeah they're the quiet yeah. nerd, nerdy dude where as like there's all there's a bunch of different people mm-hmm. of course there are nerdy, nerdy people but like that's not all Asians yeah. here or someone who's super smart I feel like that's yeah exactly yeah. like like the that every Asian is good at math or something like that Whereas not every Asian, it really is good at math. <laughs> um, but I think it's uh, important because growing up and seeing just like those stereotypes of like, oh, that's a nerdy kid or stuff like that. I think that gives more or like other other ethnicities just like watching it may think, see it as like as inferior, you know, just because, oh, like we can probably like clown this guy some more because they, they ain't going to do anything, right? They're just going to sit there, be quiet and take it. But I think it's important, like, what you said, Crazy Rich Asians, the first, like, all-Asian cast, like, it reminded me of, like, the Asian Great Gatsby, you mm-hmm. know? And the fact that they were able to incorporate some some Asian to just, uh, sorry, tradition mm-hmm. into the movie, like, gives more people awareness and knowledge of the actual culture and things like that. And for Marvel fans, Simu, uh, I think Liu, Simu Liu, sorry if I'm butchering the last name, Mm -hmm. he is going to be Mm Shang-Chi. And that is amazing because when have you ever seen an Asian superhero? Totally. Like versus, I mean, other than like Asian media. But 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 in American media, you never, you never see an Asian be a superhero and all that stuff. And I think it's I think it's great because all Asian representation that I've ever seen was off YouTube, you know. I don't know if many of you out there know this YouTubers, but Wong Fu Productions, they they would always make it an effort to put in Asians in their storytelling. And that's how I came to see Asians, not in like mainstream media, but in a, in a form of media. So I think just like breaking the mold and mm-hmm. seeing more more of us, our faces out there just gives more people like more confidence in who they are and that they're all different types of Asians, not just the quiet, nerdy ones. 
already the ones who can beat you up. But I like that stereotype. <laughs> so no one come come across come across yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, and I think there is something to be said. I we've talked about this with like um, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but like you know, like when there's like women or just different things. I think it stems down to the representation of like who is creating it and who's telling the story, right? I think being able to have more Asian directors and writers and um, producers um, allows, you know, allows for the story to be so authentic um, because it's partially their story and understanding the culture and how they grew up that people are then able to relate to that and be like, oh my gosh, this is, yes, like I've seen this or this is, this is how it is. And it's not some other person's perception who doesn't understand the culture, who doesn't understand this. So I think, you know, having representation increase, especially in media, um, as it pertains to, um, you know, Asian, Asian directors, Asian producers, like I said, I think is also significantly has like created an impact and like the stories that are being told and how authentic and like relatable they are to people's experiences. Um, For you guys with this then, because I feel like for you, um, you know, for you guys, this is interesting because you, it came about when you were a bit older, right? So it's a different experience than somebody who is much older, and it's a different experience than people, kids who are younger who get to see this, um, which I think that impacts them a lot differently than somebody who's older and now just seeing this. But, like, first I'm asking, which I feel like we've already answered, but has there been an impact, right, due to this rise in representation in the media? Um, But how have you seen that impact? Like, have you seen the effects of that impact kind of shown in life, in terms of conversations or whatever it may be, um, where has it shown up for you guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when Crazy Rich Agents came out, I remember reading something where people were saying how they were kind of mad at Crazy Rich Agents, mainly because it like painted agents as crazy and rich, where everyone's not always like that. Like I came from like a low income community, so I feel like. I don't know, I still love Crazy Rich Asians, but I feel like they were true with that because they were just painting Asians as one type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then also to talk about impact, I remember when I was like little, my favorite princess was Mulan, mainly because she was Asian. So um, I feel like Raya coming out, is it Raya, Raya? Raya, Raya, it's Raya. We'll (laughs) find out out soon, plug in for Nina. I mean, I'm coming out, that came out last week. Um, yeah. I think that will make such an impact on like little girls mm-hmm. growing up, um, where they'll have so many princesses. And along with that, my brother, he's six, mm-hmm. and he really wants to watch the movie because he's so excited for it. And like that will bring um, just like media to him, like how Asians are perceived. There's so many like different types of. Um, media like the Shang-Chi movie coming out like he'll have like a superhero to look up to mm, type of thing. totally I don't know yeah, yeah. definitely um let's see I don't think I've really seen like such a huge effect like on my life personally mm-hmm. um but I think what you were saying like with the crazy rich Asians that it's I think it's just because that is like the sole Asian movie right, right now yeah. so people who aren't exposed to Asian culture 
and this is the first time seeing it, I, I can see their yeah. perspective on, oh, wow, so all Asians are crazy and rich? So that's why they're doing so good. Like, like, like probably going back to stereotype, the model minority, like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that's why they're always so, so much better at performing in jobs than, like, than, like, most people. But, you know, I think that stems from just immigrant parents just wanting you to do better mm. as you're here. So, I th- yeah, not too many effects personally, but, yeah, I think it's, I can agree with the Crazy Rich Asians one. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think you said something interesting, too, about... I think there's also effects that, like you said, like, we don't see because... Well, partially because there's a lack of representation. Yeah. So what you have is, like, what people go by if they yeah. aren't, you know, educated. And educated in that. <laughs> Not just educated. That sounds bad. <laughs> but um, I kind of wanted to pivot in that and talk about then... Because we've seen the positive aspects, right, in terms of... Um, how it affects people who are younger and their confidence and just like authentically having your story told and stuff like that. But I also want to talk about the effects of, I don't know if it's negative, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to discuss it. Yeah. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of elements of general Asian culture because they're all parts of different subcultures, you know? Um, but like things like K-pop, Korean pop for anyone who doesn't know, um, Boba, Korean Barbie, like all of these different things that I feel like have become really popular, just like at least in America and like trendy almost, if that makes sense for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think part of that is due to, you know, the rise and just representation and the voice people have. But I kind of wanted to hear your guys's opinions on what do you think, I guess, the effects are of elements of Asian culture, like I just like stated um, being now, like, you know, now being seen as trendy, what do you think those effects are? Or does that make an impact in any way? Um, and in what ways do you see it? And this can be uh, like up to your interpretation, if that's perception or whatever it is, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's so cool that they're coming more like popular, mainly because that means like people are educating themselves on Mm. the, some, the trendy thing. So like either, whether it's boba or like k-pop like i personally don't even listen to k-pop um i know like bts but that's the <laughs> that's it and no, it's like no cool. g-dragon come on <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. and um it's cool to like just talk to someone they're like oh i'm like totally into k-pop i'm like oh like can you tell me more about it and like they're not even asian you know mm-hmm. what i mean or um i think something else that's popular is like anime i don't even watch anime either but like i love when like, I people love like anime yeah, <laughs> when i people like love to talk about anime i'm like wow that's so cool like I should totally watch that type of thing and I just think it's awesome that people are educating themselves and I'm to like that extent but also like it's kind of like negative when um it's I don't know the right term for this but like I guess cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. so like um taking it and like I don't know, like trying to make like, some, mis- like maybe know, like misusing the culture because yeah, like, like I think it I think a thing. good example yeah. of that is remember the fox tail eye thing that oh I don't yeah. know who did it but like mm-hmm. I think they were doing like this Asian wing that they were trying to claim as their own but it's mm-hmm. been like marked in uh, in uh, Asian culture for mm-hmm. like for like like hundreds yeah. of years and I think another one is like I think I saw someone like uh, use wear an aoyai like in a different yes, I like, remember that yeah and like just trying to claim that that's their own thing and like I don't think like they meant to do it on purpose you know cultural appropriation but then 
them like posting about it and not really like respecting the culture of the Aoyai is like what made everyone so like enraged. So it it was probably like an accidental Mm -hmm. cultural appropriation, but I think before like people try to take other people's culture and think that they're appreciating and make sure they're doing it in the right way or right context so that it does come off as appreciation instead of, oh, like you're trying to claim something from another country as your own kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Totally. Yeah, I think it's just, I wanted to ask, because I think it is um, an interesting concept, I guess, of, like, what is amazing in terms of, I guess, like, embracing different cultures and things like that, and what is, where's the line between, I guess, tokenizing something into this is the culture if you don't have the educational piece behind it, you know, of, like, learning, oh, why is this, like, where did this start from even? Like, what am I eating or drinking or yeah. what? Like, how, like, where did this originate from? I think is sometimes just important to ask, even if it doesn't seem important, but to, like, better understand, you know, why you're engaging in something that is unique to this culture and stuff like that. So thank you for that. Um, we're going to start to wrap up. And so with that, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, you know, what advice do you have for any fellow Asians out there, Asian Americans who are trying to navigate, I think, especially as it pertains to the Asian hate crimes and things going on, you know, um, something that can be maybe uncomfortable right now and possibly even scary at times. I wanted to ask you guys about that. What's the advice you have for them first? So that's my first question for you. I think what I have is just like embrace who you are and also like educate yourself um mainly because I feel like me like I'm still learning about my culture every day and education is such a key thing for us right now Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah uh, I would just say like be proud of who you are you know if you grew up in a cultural home don't be ashamed of it Mm -hmm. because that that's what makes you you as well like especially for first generation Asian Americans who struggle with that identity of Am I Asian or am I American? You're you're both, you know. So you can be like that that like bond that like guides the people from to from America to learn things about Asia or mm. Asia from to America. But yeah, I just say just accept your culture, yourself, who you are, and just try to build confidence on on that on that foundation. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um and my second part was you know, advice you have for people, and I, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but for people in general as it pertains to their perceptions or their changing perceptions, I think, um, of Asians. Um, this has been an interesting conversation for me because I'm, I've mentioned this before, I'm multiracial, right, and I'm part Chinese. Um, usually no one knows that about me because I look, I don't look that at all. Um, but I didn't grow up with, like, any culture, really. And so that <laughs> has caused an identity crisis that we can get into <laughs> later um, that I am now trying to navigate. It's okay. But never too late. Exactly. Too late. Exactly. Um, thanks, Mom. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's been interesting for me because I, like, to hear your guys' stories from a perspective of not really identifying with Asian culture, but kind of hearing, you know, um, from an outside perspective, like the perceptions of it and what it's like to be that. And so I want to ask you guys, what advice do you have for people in general as it pertains to, you know, changing perceptions of Asians 
as they continue forward and, you know, still engage in all, like, the fun elements of Asian culture, but... Um, oh, yeah, karaoke every weekend? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, what advice do you have for them? Um, yeah, like what I said, like, educate yourself. Um, I feel like that's, like, the key element to, like, everything. Just, like, don't make assumptions so quickly. Like, mm-hmm. learn, like, the background and, like, culture and just ask questions all the time. Like, there's no, like, harm in doing that. And, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll just say, like, this applies to me, too, because um, I'm not perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I would say just understand that there are many different types of Asians. Not, not yeah. like, ethnicity-wise, but, like, people-wise, you right. know. There are those who maybe seem a little more nerdy, gamer, but there are those who are, like, jocks, but they don't seem as jocks because of the Asian stereotypes. But, like, just because, just, like, there are many other people, types of people in different ethnicities, there's also different types of people with Asian mm. ethnicities, you know? So I think just getting around that hurdle of just, like, Asians are confined in this one definition mm. and just trying to break it and just understand, okay, so there are a bunch of different people, too. You know, I think that's a, that's a great step into understanding. And like you said, don't make assumptions and just talk with them. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for this. This was such a good conversation. Um, And I think a good opener into future conversations. I always say this, you know, this is not the end, but hopefully the beginning of being able to have more discussions like this on issues, um, you know, pertaining to representation and things like that. Um, I always ask this at the end. Do you guys have anything you want to, you know, promote or plug this is your time to do it asu (laughs) come to our asu event yeah we we promise the events will be fun (laughs) and you you might get some good food and meet some great people yes it's a great first step to seeing all different types of asian people it's a fun time perfect um when and where so it is every other Wednesday. Um, you could find us on on um, what is it? Instagram <laughs> at PLNUASU. Um, we usually post like what we're doing at that event, the date and time, and like location as well. So yeah. And there's also like a whole list of our events too. Yeah, right? we also list our events on there, and then you could always like DM us or email us if you have any questions. Yeah. And if you're scared to come out, just come out anyway. We won't bite. <laughs> yeah, just say hi. We're super nice. Yeah, it's a good time. It's definitely a good time. Always. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you both in the future. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank it's you. It was a fun time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast and for supporting us. And stay tuned for when we come back in two weeks as we invite Farina Gailey and Andrea Rivia Borges to discuss adulting, expectations based off culture. Until then, be sure to stay safe and we will see you soon. Take care. This podcast would not be made possible without the Office of Multicultural and International Student Services at Point Loma Nazarene University. It was executively produced by Bella Passi and Sam Quipong. It was written by Fernanda Viana and Bella Passi. Research was done by Fernanda Viana. It was filmed by Kevin Langley from the Media Services Department of Point Loma Nazarene University. Edited by Bella Passi.